If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. When you express this ambition for what you're about to do, have you lost relationships because of the ambition? There's seven and a half billion people on this earth, but there's only 1% that's wealthy. They were chosen to be wealthy, bro. This is a privilege to be in this position. So you cannot take it for granted, because the ones that do, as you notice, always end up back at the bottom, because they didn't understand that part of it. Is your purpose only making money? You know, you have to define to yourself what success is. And me, success is freedom. Power of patience. The day has come, man. We finally get to meet and sit down with the legendary Akon. Yeah, it's a big one, man. International. This one going to be big in Africa, big in Asia, of course, big in America. This international business very, very, very important. I mean, we always talk about global domination. That's how we spread it. That's a fact, man. What's global it? entry. Let's get it. What's up, fellas? <laughs> Next stop, Akon City. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, man. So happy we were able to get this done, man. We we gonna find you by any means necessary. Nah, I appreciate that. Just so happens to be on the property. Persistence. <laughs> Persistence. Yes, yes, yes. So how often you in town, man? I know you travel. Uh, man, around the world, you see, I'm on my way out now. I just got in yesterday. Okay. But I'm literally, I come home for a day, maybe two max, and I'm out again. So it's always it's nonstop motion. You're a world traveler, man. Atlanta yeah. is home. But what else is home for you? Uh, Senegal, London, uh, Dubai, <laughs> and uh, Nigeria. What's, yeah, your, what's your favorite place? Ooh, if I had to pick one, definitely Senegal. No place like home? Nah, listen, it's like, shh. It's like, <laughs> quick snap, you get whatever you need. Mama Africa. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's, yeah, you can't beat that, but I, I love Dubai too. Huh. Dubai kind of, that's, that's where I, that's where all my dreams are formed. When I see the, what they're doing over there and I just see what's possible, it takes me, it just motivates me. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, damn, I want this for Africa. You ever get bored yeah. staying, staying in one place for too long? Yeah, I do. If I stay, yeah, for some reason, if I stay in one place too long, I feel like I'm, like I'm missing out on something. It's, it's hard. Like I get, I, I get antsy. I start, you know. <laughs> yeah, I got, I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Hopefully, I get that soon. I'll be able to get rested. But it's just, I just know there's so much to be done. So if I'm sitting around, sitting around doing nothing, I just feel like. I gotta get up and do something. I feel bad. Yeah, man, we, we've seen what you've, you've done in business and we're gonna talk about that today. All right. I feel like dreamer is, is, a, is a fair word to say it, but where did that, that business acumen, acumen come with the dreaming ambition? Uh, I, I think anybody that come from humble beginnings or come from a situation where the environment wasn't um, offering opportunities that you wish you had, you're gonna naturally come with that anxiety within you and that, that, that hunger will, will just grow with you. So even when you get to the point where you're full of, you know, opportunity, you're never going to be at a rest because this is what you dream for. So now you see the opportunities flow and you're just grabbing them everywhere they're at. You know what I mean? So I think that, that um, just being in an environment where you knew things could be better and then you finally be in a better environment and even that looks like something that can help you bring back the environment that you came from that could be better. It's a different type of motivation. Man, we, we here. You got some time, man. We'd love to finish, have an elongated chat. About some of the things you've been uh, doing, man. I thought y'all was flying with me, but if you, you got it set up, let's go. Hey, somebody tell the pilot, take a pause for a sec. Let's go, come on. Let's do it. Absolutely. Ah, good day, Atlanta. 
<laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, coming back to Atlanta, I always feel like a vacation. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you never thought you'd get to the position where coming home is like your vacation, right? Yeah. That's what you feel Only like. Only can relate to that. <clears throat> That's a fact. Only few can relate. <sighs> oh, man. Acom, what's going on, my brother? What's up, guys? Long time coming, man. Man, long time. We've been chasing each other forever. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going through many channels, brothers, yes. sisters, and now we're here. Last time we saw each other, uh, Dubai, Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Defending yeah. champions of the Steve Harvey Golf Tournament. Yeah, we were, until you guys came and took it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, congratulations, by the way. I never congratulated y'all. This is true. That. We ran into each other the next day, and you didn't congratulate me. And yeah, I was wondering, yeah. why not? Because I feel like y'all cheated. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt Steve was, you know, just making y'all feel good. A little biased? It was very biased. Perhaps. Perhaps, perhaps. Um, nah, but we got a lot to cover, man. First and foremost, thank you, bro. Appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you. Yeah, so I want to get right into it. Um, you know, there's been so much talk in the news about you building a super city right. in your country um, and in Senegal. It's been a lot of speculation, different diagrams that have been drafted, but I want to hear straight from your mouth. What, what's the, the vision behind it and where are we at currently with it? Um, well, Akon City is for the future and it's for the youth because the whole idea, if you're gonna build a city, you gotta be thinking the future. You know what I mean? I think the city is right now, it's, gonna, it's a 10 year project estimated. Um, with all the latest new technologies, though, it might get shorter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But with current technology, if it exists the same, which I doubt, it should be 10 years. But I want to keep the threshold for 10 so we don't over, you know, under deliver to an extent. So if we finish early, that'd be great. But the whole idea is to create what the future of Africa should be. You know, we have all the resources, we have the manpower, we definitely have the population. So it was just a matter of putting something in a country that can start that can pretty much scale out to every other country that we can copy and paste. Or at least the idea. If nothing happens, the city will be done and mentally people know that it's something possible to do in Africa. You know what I mean? And it'll hopefully, you know, ignite other entrepreneurs in Africa, other people in Africa that have the same idea, finance, or resources to do the same thing in the country they're from. You know what I mean? Yeah, we saw in 2018, you announced this right around the same time as Black Panther. And so right. Wakanda became something that was real yeah. for us. And then to hear you announce it was like, oh, this is really real. Mm -hmm. What's this process been like for you? You know, dealing with having to excavate land, figuring out scaling, I don't know, zoning. Like, what is this like? Because, right. I mean, we know real estate here, but... Right. Well, actually, just imagine... Whew. You already know how complicated real estate is here. So now imagine that in a place that don't have the concept of real estate on that level. Mm. So a lot of things, all the way down to the zoning mechanism, has, has been created specifically for the city because it didn't exist before. Like, when you look at Africa, there's, we never really had major high-rise buildings. You know, the only place in all of Africa that really had it was in South Africa, which is the first part of Africa that was able to be developed. You know what I mean? Um, but when you look at West Africa, East Africa, North Africa, Ethiopia is very close, you know, they got, you know, Ethiopia was always forward thinking and they did a few, you know, incredible things. But for West Africa, Nigeria had a few mid-sized buildings, but never high rise. So a lot of it was being created as the concept was being introduced. So, you know, I had to get really close to the government, you know, get really close to the president, all the ministers, 
kind of just give them a heads up as to what I'm doing as I'm doing it in real time because we got caught into a lot of complications during COVID when the whole world shut down for those two years. So that was also a big problem. So we had to pivot from going physical to, okay, now let's figure out how to deal with all the things that we don't have to physically be there for, which is all the paperwork that needs to be done, all the licenses that need to be you know, processed, all the studies that need to be done, all the way from environmental studies, you know, all the way to the soil studies. I mean, just, there's so much that needed to be done leading pre-construction. And these are things that I was learning as I go. It was just a great idea for me. I was never a developer before music. I was doing energy. But it all stemmed from the energy project and saying, okay, let me build something that can be electrified, and then I can use this as a way of developing the country, but at the same time providing energy as well. So I just started going through an old childhood dream from when I first came to America from Africa. You know, you got to think, I was like a kid living in a, in a small country called, well, actually village called Kaulak. In Kolak, there's no running water, there's no electricity, there's no development at the time, no roads whatsoever. And I thought airplanes, when I saw them, I thought they were birds. Mm. How, how old were you when you came know, to America? I was eight, you know? So imagine coming from that environment and flying into a place like New York City. <laughs> By the birds. That's crazy. In a bird. <laughs> like when I, you know, listen, when I got to the airport, I was like, that's the biggest bird I ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, in Atlanta, they still call them birds. You, 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 <laughs> you know? Fly south so, for the winter. Yeah, so it, it was foreign. It was foreign to me. Then when I saw that we were actually going in the bird, I started crying. I was like, no, I'm not going in there. So I'm thinking the bird going to eat us if I go. I, I'm not knowing what an airplane is. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. So, bro, I was so afraid that when I got in the, like, in the, the, the plane and I... I thought I was literally inside the bird that I fainted. So they, they put the, um, the, the seatbelt on me and I didn't wake up until I was landing. So when I was landing, I'm seeing in the sky and I'm looking down, I'm seeing these buildings, I'm seeing these cars, like a whole bunch of just yellow cars. Like it was, I've never seen anything like this in my life. So, but at the same time, it was so fascinating for me because I'm literally in the air. Like I'm thinking I'm in heaven, I thought I died. Like, so, but that, that, that vision never left me. Like, so as a child, I always said to myself, man, one day I want to be able to do something like this for Africa. I don't know how I'm going to do it, if it's even possible, but if I ever get in a position where something like that could even be a thought, then I'm, I'm never going to let that thought pass me. So when you fast forward, you know, 30-something years later, you know, it's like, man, this is actually was civilization that I was actually experimenting, you know, experiencing rather. And this is something that actually is possible. I just have to be able to present it in a way to where they're not afraid of it or it doesn't scare them the way it scared me. You know what I mean? Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.
So, like, how, what's the financing to build a city? Like, the financing is very interesting because, unfortunately, there's not... Okay, the way money is allocated globally, the minority don't have access to funds of money that others have. And I like to call them others because I don't want to make it racial. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, we have the same systems that we have that's in front of us, but we don't all have the same systems that we have access to. And when you look at a, 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 a project like that, especially in a place like Africa, which has been controlled and colonized for so long, there are certain parts about that continent that they can't afford to, for it to advance. And a city like Akon City is not only going to make this, the, country, the continent advance, but it's also going to advance the mentality of the people living there, which is a huge like problem because it will completely change the dynamic of how the financial system itself works. Because the moment Africans wake up and understand the power and the resources that we hold and the value that we are to the rest of the world, then clearly decisions will be made in favor of Africans and not others. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's been a struggle. It's been a struggle from the moment I started, but the project itself was originally estimated to be a $6 billion project, completely built out. Now we kind of scaled it down a little cheaper because of the fact that technology has advanced a lot more, things that we would spend a lot more for, we don't have to. And then we're also using a lot of the resources that's already in the continent, so we don't have to you know, pull export, out and, and, yeah. and export, or import rather. So what ends up happening is now we're saving a lot more money. So we didn't, you know, pretty much chopped it pretty much down. I won't go specifically into detail of how much because the, the price is changing as the project is growing because more people are coming in, uh, more investors are coming in with resources that I didn't have before. So now it's becoming a lot easier now that we broke ground. Yeah, one of the things yeah. you've been adamant about is having African-Americans coming back to Africa. You just said the number of $6 billion to build an entire city. Right. We just watched the Washington Commanders be sold for $6 billion. Yeah. A group of investors came together to buy a football team. A team. What do we need to do to get people to actually look at Africa as an investment? We know the resources are there. We know the population is there. Right. What are we missing to get people to realize this is a place we should be investing? Well, what, what are we missing really is just African-Americans wanting to know more about themselves. Because Africa is more about you than it is even Africans, for that matter. Um, I mean, when you look at it, we built America. Like, we literally built America with our bare hands, you know? Um, our labor, our sweat, our blood, like, but we've never, not only did we ever get reparations for it, we never even got credit for it. We never even got recognized for it. And I think that's what, what, what builds so much animosity and anger within our community itself, because we know how much our contribution is worth, but we never got what we're, what our just due for what the contribution given. Mm -hmm. And that becomes an issue because when you start having leaders that don't understand the dynamics of the power of what we have when we're united, then that changes the game too because the people have to be the ones to figure that piece out. And I think the moment we get to the point where we figured out that coming together is the, the, the key to, you know, to, to, to success in the future, then everything will change. But the importance of us taking you know, uh, us out of this situation is Africa. Africa is the only way out. It's the golden and it's the holy grail for your freedom. Like, if Americans, African Americans specifically don't see that investing in Africa changes everything for you, I mean, all the way down to generational wealth. Like, it's in the, Africa's in a position where if um, African Americans take position now, you guys 
Every single African-American in America would be a millionaire without even thinking twice because there's, not, there's nothing that's not needed over there. So you guys come with the discipline, you come with the knowledge, you come with the resources, and then what you've created just for developing America, nothing can happen really in America without us. Just think about everything that creates so much revenue for America, from sports, to entertainment, to fashion, to medicine. I mean, you name it. We're, in, we're, we're leading in every single sector, like us. Just imagine if we all just decided to just take all our bags, withdrew all our money, and go to Africa. Where would America be today? It would collapse overnight. Because nothing would, like, nothing. Like, all of our athletes can go create their own teams. Just, you, who do you think they're going to watch? They're going to watch all the black professional athletes playing in Africa, or they're going to watch the white professional athletes playing in America? Well, now they got, so now they got the NBA <laughs> Africa now. Right. Well, Wanda had a league. Uh, no, but the NBA, NBA Africa too. has uh, started a league in Africa. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so let me ask you this, because we interviewed David O. Right. And he, he said that one of the biggest hurdles in Nigeria was um, working with the government. Right. And he also said it's difficult to do business in Nigeria um, because a lot of elders don't respect young people. Mm -hmm. And like he's like in American culture, you got a great idea, you're 19 years old, you can get a billion dollars. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like young people drive culture. Right. He was like, his critique was that in his, his, his part of Africa, it's too hard to get things done because of government, and it's too hard to get things done because older people are too stuck in their ways and they don't respect younger people enough. What's your thoughts on that? Right, so I'm gonna answer both of those separately because David O has an amazing point. He's, he's right to an extent, especially for the second point. The first point is it's hard to do business in Africa because of government. He's 100% correct. And it's not just Nigeria he's talking about. To me, it's the whole continent. It's everywhere in Africa. Because what happens is in Africa, when you look at the, the governmental system, the systems are built for the people to need the government. Whereas anywhere else in any developing market, you don't really need the government to do what you want to do. Like, the only thing you need the government for pretty much is for regulation. That's all you should need the government for. They police the situation, make sure everybody's following the laws, paying their taxes, and going about things the right way to be able to make a profit margin, right? That's basic regulation, that every government should have that responsibility. But when you look at a place like Africa, like even me, to invest in Africa, I have to go see someone in government to physically do something. And when you're talking about a place that's got two and a half billion people, 50-something countries, Dividing that by two and a half something billion people and every entrepreneur that goes into your country have to go through government to create a business, the place will never grow. It just can't. You have to have systems in place where people and organ you know, systems in place where, that has organizations where you can just go through to do basic things like get licensed or get, like how it is in America. We gotta go see Donald Trump to open up a barbershop. <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you just go to City Hall, you, you create your, your LLC or whatever kind of company you want, and then from there, you know, you get all the tax papers, you fill that out, you pay your taxes, and if there's a license to be done for whatever, you know, employees, they have to go get their barber license or beautician license, whatever, then they're able to work because there's systems put in place. Africa, there's no <clears> systems <throat> put in place like that. And if they are, they're not communicated to the people enough for them to, have to even know it exists. So what happens is people just create their own 
jobs. They like one thing about Africans is that they're very creative. They create their own jobs. But everything at the end of the day is all business. It's either buying or selling. Business is very simple. That's one language that everybody in the world can speak. <laughs> like there's only one way to do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But for the most part, he's right about that because the government don't open up the doors enough to be able to allow the people to thrive because of fear. Because what happens is a lot of the governmental, you know, um, uh, politicians in most, most countries in Africa don't really have the power that they should have because they're still getting, uh, you can say, controlled by the West. The West. So if you, if you see a coup that happens in the country, it ain't the people that's icing them out. It's whoever controls that country that put together the system for that president to be ousted, and then they'd already picked the person that's going to replace him. Because Africa, as you know, the average person makes about $10 a month. Where are they going to find resources to coup somebody? These weapons that they're going back and forth, you know how much a, a, a basic nine costs? <laughs> like, let alone, we talk about M16s and AK-47s. Like, these are weapons that rebels that don't, can barely find food on a day-to-day -day basis actually have plenty of with ammunitions to match it. So they're being supplied. It's no secret that this is not African state of mind. They just, in their mind, they're just trying to survive. But if you put a person in a position where he can't survive, his survival instincts kick in. He's willing to do whatever he has to do to protect and feed his family at the end of the day. You know? Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. What's okay. your thoughts about the older now, people not respecting the younger people? Let's go back to the, this, his second point. His second point was the elders. Now, the elders are a lot stuck in their ways. They're very old-fashioned. Okay. Um, but I think what happens is when you look at the dynamic between the elders in Africa and the youth of today, there's a disconnect there because a lot of the elders... Like, Africa, just the culture in Africa, the elder is the king, and you got to respect him as that. Like, even before I make a decision, I always go speak to my elders and I get advice. They may not be able to give me no money, or they may not give me nothing of value physically to be able to, you know, achieve whatever goal I'm trying to achieve, but they can give me something that's worth money, which is the knowledge and the experience of what they might have walked through so I can know what not to be able to you know, challenges that I may be able to face and how to deal with it before it even arrives, which will end up saving me more money than they probably would have ever gave me in the first place. The younger generation, they don't see value in knowledge as much as they should, right? So when the elders come and they say, okay, cool, they're not supporting. It's not that they're not supporting. It's just they don't understand what it is they're supposed to support. So if you come to somebody that's 80 years old and you're talking to him about an app, <laughs> or something techie like Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok for that matter. He's like, what the hell is this? But you, the same time that you're expecting him to understand what you're trying to get him to even invest in or support, you got to take time to give him the knowledge to give him like information on what that is so he can better advise on something that he might even want to do. He might not even understand it at all and say, you know what? I believe when you go. But the, it's, it's what happens is when, when the elders see something, they, they, they believe in the, the, the true way of, like, they don't see futuristic advancement through digital because they don't understand it well enough. They understand 
what investment means to them. And every African uh, elder is going to tell you, if you invest your money, invest it in land. Because they know that land never depreciates no matter what. Man, land was given to you through God. And one thing about African elders, the spirituality trumps the, the, the idea. They think in spiritual first before they think profit. Now, I wouldn't want to speak for David in this case, but I think if he took the idea, if, if he took the idea of knowing that they're going to probably give more of a spiritual advice, more or rather than a, a, um, a, a profitable advice, he probably won't ever get nowhere with them, right? But at the same time, his knowledge makes a lot of sense and also gives them value just understanding where he comes from because their support can propel him to a whole other level. But it also depends on the person that you may ask too because I'm more of a patient person. Like, and the, the, the people that's patient are always going to be the ones that advance further in life because when you're patient, you allow more information to come. And if anybody knows that information is power, those are the ones that's going to advance above all others because when you got that one little idea or that one little advice that that elder made or gave you can be what trumps you from everybody else that's in your generation that's moving forward that's probably ignoring that one advice that may take you to the next level. You know what I mean? So I think when it comes to the elders and the, the youth, the only disconnect is the fact that the elders believe they know more and the youth believe they don't know enough. Mm. But the moment they both respect each other's knowledge, then things will change. But it has to be the youth's role to respect the elder. It's not the other way around because they paved the way for us. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. even though I may know what I know, I'm going to take everything that he tells me into consideration to see how I can apply that to what I know. I can't force my information on him because he's on his way out. He'll never get it. But he can force his information on me because I'm still there and still learning as I go. And you'd be surprised how the old-fashioned way, when it's combined with the future, can be a huge impact. Yeah, I'm just envisioning you with this vision for Akon City. And like you said, you're speaking to your elders about it. Right. And they're probably seeing the ambition in you, but giving you knowledge, even though it's something that they might not have the vision. Right. You're trusting them with it. I'm thinking now when, when, when you talk about business, you talked about skyscrapers, you said uh, high rises, that you hadn't seen that. When we were in Nigeria, one of the things we did see was corporate enterprises. Right. And so when you're building a city, are you building it based on local businesses? Like what sectors are we saying that we need to have here first? Mm -hmm. And do we then add corporate or is it like a combination of both? Yes, it was. It's a combination of both. You can't really have one without the other because the corporate part has to fuel it. Like there has to be an economy that revolves within whatever idea you have to keep it sustainable. If ain't no money being made and there's no people that's being provided access to security, no matter what business you decide to do or any idea you decide to do, it's just not going to be sustainable. It's going it's it's to collapse before it even starts. So with the city, the first thing we did was get advice and blessing from the elders in that region that we, taken the, that we bought the land from. They gave us the blessing. And they said, listen, the biggest thing that we thrive off here is farming. Now, mind you, a lot of the land that we took, about a third of that land was allocated for farms. So what we did, instead of you know, taking it away from them, that area we, ag we, we literally allocated for agriculture to where we can build the futuristic type farming, you know, the agro, mm. that not go out, but go up. You follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But in the process of that, I built the youth center as well, too. So that way we can train the youth on how to manage that piece and understand what that is. But then we also brought in the, elder, the elders who was long-term farmers that taught these guys on what that new technology looks like 
And they're now actually physically, as we speak, learning about what that is. So as we're getting to that part, they'll be able to be able to just merge right in and live. So all they wanted was make sure that no jobs was taken away from them. So we had to explain to them how many more jobs we were going to be able to create. And not, it's not enough people in this village that's going to be able to fill up all these jobs that we're about to bring into the country. Hmm. You know what I mean? But for the most part, what we're talking is industrial, but at the same time, it's more touristic attracted. Because one thing about a business, and I look at Akon City as a business first, and the reason why I say that is because Africa's been built on charity, and it's been built on aid for so long, to the point where they've brainwashed Africans to believe that that's all they're good for, huh. is receiving. They're not even knowing that they're the ones giving them everything they have to even give it back yeah, to that's them. That's a fact. That's a fact. I never thought about it like that, but you that's a fact. That is a fact. You know, you know, so the whole idea is build profitable opportunities that's going to keep you empowered so you never have to worry about aid. You never have to worry about giving back. If anything, you're the one in position to give, not being in the position to receive. So everything that we've created has been a system of empowering the people. So let me give you the, the sectors, right? So you have the, the educational district where we're teaming up with uh, um, five major uh, um, uh, inf uh, educational institutions here in America. I signed NDA with them, so I can't disclose who they are yet, mm -hmm. but just know one is the top in this field in tech, one is the top of this field in medicine, one is the top of this field in, in business, and the other is the top of this field in um, entertainment. So we have them already on board and they're going to actually build their own facilities in the Akon Educational District. Whereas people in Africa, and I'm just saying the cold continent, because I'm even though it's in the, the, the cities in Dakar, I'm building it for African tourism to begin. And then, of course, outside tourism is going to naturally be attracted anyway because of just what it, what it represents. But it's more so people that's in Africa, specifically students, don't have to fly all the way to Europe or all the way to America to go to a place like Harvard or to go to a place like, you know, uh, uh, MIT or something like that. They can just go to their, you know, hub in Dakar and take the same exact course or even sometime video chat with the main system that's in America and get the actual inf information and education for a lower price without having to fly all the way over there or worry about a visa or some kind of immigration issues that they may have to face, right? So that's for the education district. Then we have the entertainment district, which is the field that I specialize in, where we have full-out blown you know, uh, 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 film studios. Then we have full recording studios. Then within that, we also have the amphitheater for live con you know, concerts and, and sporting events and things of this nature. And it's all built around you know, major African soccer players that's playing huge you know, um, sports in, 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 in Europe, you know, playing for Premier Leagues or whatever, because soccer's a huge thing for us over there. So that comes. And then we bring a lot of the American players that want to create you know, um, basketball initiatives for Africa that can partner with NBA Africa, because we have a partnership with them where we lit up all the basketball courts that they're doing in Africa. We're, doing, we're providing all the solar lights over there for them. So we have a, a, a great relationship with those guys over there. And then that, that covers the, the, and then we also have the, 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 um, the, the, uh, the, 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 the sports training where we train all the players from kids all the way up to the point where we can actually submit them to be drafted whether it's in the Premier Leagues or even in America now because America has a huge you know, soccer um, community. I'm, I went to the game in just the other day over at the at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, I was like 65,000 people. Big time. I was like, what? Like, yeah. I, I wish, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> when I was in high school, this was available, you know? Yeah. But then in the mix of that, then we have the medical district, 
which is, you know, same concept that we have for the education district, but the medical district, we have people, you know, I mean, uh, um, uh, facilities here that, that, that specialize in medicine and research that's going to bring that system to Africa where we combine modern medicine along with tribal medicine. Because a lot of people don't realize how strong tribal medicine is. Because especially in America, they banned a lot of the medical, um, you know, solutions that you don't even have to pay a billion dollars for or even go get a surgery for that they can cure in Africa naturally. But because of, you know, the huge capitalist that's, that happens here where the, the money is, more, is worth more than human life, healthcare is the, the most highest, I mean, it's the highest sector in America. Like, healthcare is ridiculous what they, what they charge you for basic aspirin, right? So the idea over there is to be able to combine uh, um, modern medicine with, with, um, with, with uh, tribal medicine and find a solution just for humanity in general. So it's, we have all of these roles that actually play within the Akon City, which will all be built in different stages. But it all be it'll all be ran and all trained by younger, you know, uh, digital mind or uh, you know more futuristic thinking youth that we can give information to that can also be able to go back and forth with the data centers that we're working with to give them the information they need to be able to manage the city itself. You follow what I'm saying? Gotcha. So it's it's a full infrastructure that not only empowers people but also gives them the skills to be able to be sustainable and to be able to move forward. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's. So, how many acres? Is, uh, how big is the land? The land altogether is 500 hectares, which accumulates to close to about almost 2,000 acres. You know, 75% um, of it is all on the water, straight on the coast, and then the rest is off the water going into the main road, you know, but right now, the first phase, we started with 50 hectares just to get the, the health, um, the, uh, the welcome center going and to get the major infrastructure going in before we start going to phase number two. So, Dubai, it right. sounds similar, is that? Very, what, very similar. Yeah. That's somewhat of the vision that you have? Dubai is actually what inspired me to know that it was actually possible. When I went to Dubai in 2004, it was only two buildings up. You go there now, it's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And at the time, when, and that's, that's when I realized that it's about leadership. Because when you have a person that's leading and he's well-respected and he understands the, that the people come first and the needs of the people come first, the support that you can get is endless, especially when you have the resource to bargain with. See, the Middle East, the only resource they have is oil. That's all they got. And they were able to do all that with just one resource. Look at Africa that has over 350 major resources. No, like major resources. Mm -hmm. To the point where this camera that's, that, that's looking at me, to the mic that's looking at me, all those elements are from resources in Africa. Like. But we don't, we don't have access to any of it. And then the ones that do have access don't know the value of it. So they just pass it out. You know what I mean? So when I saw what Dubai was able to do with that and be able to create agreements with those resources that actually brought the money back to the Middle East for them to develop that for their country, I said, you know what? This is where it's at right here. This is going to be my life goal to figure out how way to do that for Africa. And I'm going to start in Senegal where I got a little bit of influence. A little bit. <laughs> when, I, when I heard your story, uh, it made me think back to Aliko Dangodi. Right. We talk about having all the resources when we went and saw all the things that he's involved in, the concrete, you know, having great friends that have power plants and right. having cement and flour. 
like these two gentlemen could build their own city. In terms of how you're creating the infrastructure for Acon City, like how are we going about actually building it? Because we've heard a lot of talk about foreign investors coming in to, right. to take over and, and build infrastructure in Africa. What are your thoughts and what are the plans of how it's being built? Well, pretty much how it's being built is all being built by, it's, it started as a partner from the government and NGOs, but we decided to just make it, at the beginning it was a PPP, which is a public-private partnership, right? When you have, you got private money, you got public money, and they work together. But then as I got into it, I realized this has to be more of a private investment. Um, the government, their only allocation at the time was supposed to be the land. But then I realized I had to purchase the land. So I was like, okay, well, there ain't really no partnership if I had to buy it. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> right, well, can, can you help me out with the, the taxes? PPP, least, I know. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I was like, okay, cool. Let me just, that ain't going to work. So let me just buy the land. So I ended up buying the land. So now it became a complete private investment, you know, family offices, you know, wealthy individuals that you see the, you know, the, the, um, the, uh, the, the value in, in investing in Africa, especially with major development projects like this. And it's going to be the people like the Dungortis of the world that's going to invest. Because all I wanted really was African money to be in this project first. That's why my first round was allocated only for African investors. So that way they can actually benefit from the future what this is. Because Akon City is going to be in five major countries within the next well, my goal is for it to be in five major countries within the next 20 years, right? We've already got land in Uganda, which they gave me a whole, and that one is a, 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 a public-private partnership because the government actually gave me the land, mm. you know, and they actually are looking and, and believe in the full scope of what this could do for Uganda as well, you know, and that's a whole, and that's right, it's a huge mountain that overlooks the Victoria Lake, that, that overlooked the, you know, the Victoria, um, the falls, and it's like, it's Lake Victoria is like notorious for the beauty of just what it looks like, but it's it's a square mile, just right, like you literally looking at the lake, like it's beautiful, like breathtaking. You can't like it's I can't wait, but Africa, Senegal starts first, and then once that's on turnkey, then we go to Uganda and start the the you know the um, the process over there, which will be the same process all the way down to you know. There's land and people living on certain parts of land that we have to be able to move and give them something of equal value or better so they can be able to give us the opportunity to move around. But it's, it's almost like uh, 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 when, what they call that, when you go into the hood and you have to redevelop and... Gentrification? Gentrification, gentrification to an extent. But this ain't gentrification, though. No. This is just modification. Because <laughs> 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 they all understand what's going on. They all are for it. They love the idea. We just, me, it's my responsibility to make sure that they're going to be in a place just as good or comfortable or better. But once the city's built, they'll come back to that exact area where they lived and be able to get another place in the city. So it's not, it's almost like a holding time period from the time we actually have to build it all, all up. So all of these cities are going to be called Akon City? Yeah. So it's like uh, Alexander, like, you know, it's Alexandria's all it's over. Like, like Manhattan. How the Rockefellers controlled that but when I'm, they got in early. But you know, like, there's Alexandria in, in Egypt. There's Alexandria oh, you're talking about countryside. in Virginia. Just like the name, like, there's different cities with the same name in different parts of... I get it. 
Franchising cities. Franchising cities. That's what we're doing. Just hit me. Just hit me. Just hit me. Franchising cities. This peppermint tea had me like. Yeah, yeah. It was tasty, but that was tastier. This is bigger than Mickey D's. This is bigger than Mickey D's. Bigger than Mickey D's. We got something here. We got something. We got something. So let me ask you this, because um, you know, a lot of people, it's a lot of criticism of China's involvement in Africa. Right. And I know that you've done work with them, um, I believe, when you were doing the lightning, lightning project, um, mm -hmm. electricity. Right. Um, so, you know, a lot of people are saying this is the new era of imperialism mm -hmm. and colonialism without, you know, guns, but they're doing it through debt, different things of nature. So, and they don't have good intentions for the continent. You've actually worked with, um, obviously, people in China, corporations, how has your relationship been with the Chinese and what is your thoughts on the Chinese in Africa? Well, me, I can't really state or uh, respond to what's been said about the Chinese if you look at it on the internet. I can only speak about my personal experiences. Um, me personally, the Chinese was a blessing for me. Um, I remember going to multiple opportunities to get funding to be able to provide lights in Africa. Um, but the Chinese, just gave me the credit line, just after the first proposal. You know, um, they gave me a billion dollar credit line to be able to start whatever I wanted to do in the whole continent. So my idea was at that time, I just wanted to provide lights to my people. We could figure out the details later. Let's get the lights going first so we can see what we're figuring out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Literally. Literally. Yeah, like, Literally. come on, man. Like, it's about see. action. You know, everything else can be worked out. It's all negotiation. And I think when you look at the Chinese, their perspective is different because their cultures and Africa's cultures are very similar. And I think that's why they're able to integrate so much easier than most. And I think when the West comes to Africa, they come with these rules and these already, uh, 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 you could say, um, uh, uh, put together uh, infrastructures and they try to plant that same infrastructure in Africa and it doesn't work. So you have to be creative in Africa. The mentality is different, the people is different, you know, the terrain is different, environment is different, and you can't come with a, a, a US proposition or a European proposition and apply that to Africa when the propositions there face a lot more challenges and it's not as simple, you know what I mean? So the Chinese were more patient. They actually are on the grounds to see what was happening and to know how to fix whatever certain challenges, but for the most part, when they say that the Chinese are robbing Africa, I actually disagree because when they came in, they actually came with a barter system. Most times when the Europeans came to Africa, they pulled resources out, but they never pulled back in. Whereas the Chinese is a little bit different because they know that the Africans won't get funded for major projects. So what they decided to do is say, listen, we do need these resources. We're not going to lie to you. We need them, but we won't give you money. We'll just give you infrastructure. So basically, they'll build roads, bridges, roundabouts, and in exchange for what that would naturally cost, they get that back in resources. I Me, mean, I prefer that anyway, because when you look at a place like Africa, you can't give these leaders money. They're going to deposit it in Switzerland <laughs> and be buying bottles in Magic City. <laughs> think about it. Why do you think all these Africans out here balling? You ain't never seen man, so many rich Africans between here and Houston. Man, that's all government money, the people's money. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know what I'm saying? So I like that idea. No, nigga, let's put 
infrastructure here <laughs> so the people can benefit, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, to me, I think, you know, but I think it's all different. Everyone has their own specific, you know, uh, version of what the Chinese are doing. Yeah. But I know me being there firsthand and seeing what they're doing, I'm not saying that all of them are doing great. I just know from the experience that I've had, it's been pretty positive, you know what I mean? Yeah, you, you made yeah. no secret from the day you started that you were a businessman first that turned an artist. Right. And since your success, we, we've seen a lot of artists from West Africa. We've seen Wizkid, Burner Boy, right. Thames, Tiwa Savage now. Talk about using your artistry to leverage business because that's what you've done here, right? You've no, that's, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. I think every artist, when you become an artist, you have to approach the artistry from a business standpoint. You have to be not just an entertainer, but you also have to be an entrepreneur. Um, you know, I, I, even when, I'm, when I sign artists, I make it very clear, you are in the music business. Let me reiterate, the music business, okay? The music just gets you to the business. The music opens the door for more business. But in order for the music to thrive, you gotta do the business. So when you look at someone like Drake, let's use Drake for instance, amazing artist. But do you honestly think he stayed in the business this long, been this consistent this long, if he didn't have a great business acumen? Impossible. He clearly has a great business sense because he understands just from decisions that he's making. I'm seeing the decisions he's making like, oh, he get it. He completely gets it. Okay, let's take somebody completely outside of Drake who may not have as much talent because talent is a, depends on who's deciding, right? It's just an opinion. Who you think is less talented than Drake but not as good? Who do you think? Less talented than Drake what, but like? has a good business acumen. Has a good business acumen and less talented. In music? In music. I mean, Drake is pretty dope. There's a lot of niggas less talented than him. Yeah, it's easy. Just name any one of them. Uh, let's, let's take J. Cole. Okay, let's take J. Cole. That's a bad nah, choice. Hold on, hold on. Nah, you probably no, no, hold on. Nah. J I'm just, I, I, still I, I, hypothetical. No, J. Cole's nice, though. No, he's not, no, I'll say he's but nice. That's why I said it's a matter of opinion. Like, even me, I was like, nah. He's, but, he's, he's compared to him. But he's compared to him. Yeah. And he's, I think it's a great comparison. But then again, it's not quite because the point I'm trying to make. <laughs> Waka Flocka. Flocka. Okay, Waka Flocka. J. Cole's crazy. Clearly, and even Waka Flocka would be like, J. Cole, I mean, Drake is better than me. Okay, right? okay. Yeah. Clearly. Gotcha. Waka's a businessman. He will not take this personal, I promise you. Yeah. Waka, amazing businessman. He's not that talented as a rapper. He himself will tell you, nigga, I'm not a rapper. <laughs> That's a fact. That's a good one. Okay. Right? But he understood the music opens up and catapults you to an area where you have opportunities to make real business. And he took full advantage of it. You follow what I'm saying? Gotcha. So that tells you that the business is more important sometimes than the actual talent. Now, I've seen artists that's just stupid talented, but no business acumen whatsoever. And those are always the ones that's in the studio complaining about another artist that he's better than. But he's not realizing you're better than him from a talent standpoint, but he's better than you from a business standpoint. That's the only reason why he's, selling the, he's excelling above you, because he's learned how to take his talent and maximize the business. Because most people think success is the more money you make. Me personally, I disagree. Me, success is the more access you have. Because one thing I've learned, just be listening again and taking advice from my elders, is that your network, no, your net worth is your network. 
the more you expand yourself to other environments, other people, other opportunities, that becomes your network that will eventually define your net worth. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. So whatever talent you may have, I don't care if it's cooking. Because right now, you can't tell me this nigga that's just going like this and putting salt on everybody's <laughs> steak. It's rich because he's just putting salt on everybody's steak. No, they figured out the business on what that looks like and what value we've just created by making everybody obsessed of me just spitting salad on your steak. Salad. I mean, <laughs> salt. putting salt. I put the P and the S together. <laughs> putting salt on your steak. That's all business that made that successful. Yeah. The talent just put the eyes on it. You follow what I'm saying? So in business, you want to have a brand or some kind of talent that brings the eyes to you to give you the opportunity to sell it to somebody. So music should always just be, you know, a stepping stone to get into it or a bridge to get to the opportunity. You speak about your elders a lot. So we had the, the blessing of interviewing and developing a relationship with Robert Smith, who's the richest black person in America. Amazing. But you know and have a relationship with Aliko Dangote. Am I saying his name correctly? Aliko Dangote, yeah. Um, who's the richest black person in the world. Right. So. For anybody that doesn't... I'm trying to put them together, by the way. They need to be, if they haven't. Listen. That has to happen. They have to come together. If like, it, it's... Maybe we can help on that. We can help with that. No, yeah. how about we do that? No, listen. Yeah, let's do <laughs> you it. You feel me? No, it's so important. Yeah. Because it's people like that that need to be active in Africa. Yeah. Because he, like I said, when African-Americans, successful African-Americans and successful Africans get together, the, I mean, the possibilities are endless. Like, it's endless. So what have you learned from Aligo Dangote? Like, what, what wisdom, what gems um, did you pick up from just being around him? What I picked up more so from being around him, because I haven't been around him as much as I would like to be, but I, I'm around him through a lot of people that are around him. But for the moments that I physically was around him, what drives his empire and what drives his motivation is spiritual. You know, he's very spiritual. And... The people have always been the full, like, he does his duty to his people through the opportunities and the, the blessing through God. It's crazy you say that because when we went to um, Nigeria, David O, he was like, yo, I could actually introduce you to him, but it just so happens that he's not here right now. He's in Mecca. Right. Um, and it was like, he actually goes pretty often. Yep, he goes So it was telling us, like, you know, obviously how much of a religious person that he is. Yeah. And... I think that that plays a part in a lot of people that are successful. You would think it that does. the more successful you are, the more crazy you go in. Nah. There's some people like that, but a lot of people are just very disciplined. For the most part, right. And that's Absolutely. how you get to be successful. Yes, because I think success is built around your, your spiritual uh, establishment. Like, most people that I know that's, that's wealthy beyond the average man are very aligned spiritually because they understand that the role that they've been given is bigger than you. So... You, you make decisions relating to how it, 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 it defines or it comforts someone else's life. You know what I mean? Like, I try to get into businesses that's going to help a mass group of people. Like, I can't see me doing a small business that's just going to put money in my pocket. It got to be something bigger that's going to just make an impact. Now, some may say it's way too ambitious. Oh, man, that could never happen. Oh, phew. he's just a dreamer. That's cool. It's okay, because everyone that's ever did something that big got the same remarks, mm -hmm. got the same despite. Because oh, and someone said this 
a while ago, but I can't remember who said it, but it made so much sense in my mind because it all brought it all together. They said, when someone tells you that what you're doing is too ambitious or they can't do it, it's because they're speaking of themselves and they don't believe themselves they can do it. Projection. Right, so they're telling you that, ah, oh, it's not possible. But it's not, it's more than possible because you, you clearly are trying or going to the, you, you, you're on your way to go do it. But if you let someone else tell you that it can't be done because they themselves believe they can't do it, it's going to slow you down. It becomes a distraction. You know, that's why it's very important to pe put people around you that believes in your dream. And if anything, if they don't necessarily believe in your dream, they have to be in a position or they have to be dreaming bigger than you are. You understand what I'm saying? Because when they're be dreaming bigger than you, then they can elevate your dreams to be bigger than what it is. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you lost friends because of the ambition? Uh, we, we've talked to people who had success. You come from entertainment. I'm sure you've, you've had colleagues and friends in this, this business. Right. When you express this ambition for what you're about to do, I'm, I'm sure there was some doubt in some of them. Have you, have you lost relationships because of the ambition? Well, this is the thing. I know some people like, you know, will say, well, you know, I lost friends on my way up, and you can't take everybody with you. Well. They're right, because not everybody's meant to go with you. Like, some pe like one thing about life is, and this goes back to the spiritual side of things, is that everyone that's around you plays a specific purpose for whatever your purpose is in life. So there's not going to be one person that ride the whole way with you, unless it's your mother and your father. Even your brothers and sisters may doubt you, and they may have their own agendas, because their purpose is completely different. But for the most part, when you talk about friends and affiliates, don't expect them to be there forever. They're not, because they also have a purpose themselves where you're not going to be with them forever, let alone them being with you forever. You follow what I'm saying? So everybody plays a specific role in your life for you to be able to achieve your purpose. So now, if they stick around longer, then that purpose obviously hasn't been either you know, satisfied or there's more to be done with their presence in your life for your purpose to be cemented. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So you have to look at life from a spiritual standpoint. In other words, don't be so attached because the only thing that you need to really be attached to is God at the end of the day. Because at the end of the day, that's your, your purpose is to satisfy whatever his role is for you on this earth. Because you got to go see him again. You know, my grandfather said to me, he said, in life, if you look at it from a standpoint of monetary gain or monetary wealth, you're never going to really be satisfied. Just understand that life is like a hotel room. You are just passing through. Which means... Like, this, this is not the final destination. You can't live like it's your last day, because <laughs> it's not. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? The moment you lose sight of spirituality, then you do what the fuck you want to do. Don't give a fuck who cares, who says this thing. That's not how you want to live. You got to know that your purpose on this world, earth is, is for a reason, and God don't put wealth through hands that's not going to spread it to the rest. If somebody's rich around you, Believe me, there's something in him that he was chosen to be in that position. Nobody gets in that position by luck. There's seven and a half billion people on this earth, but there's only 1% that's wealthy. 
They were chosen to be wealthy, bro. This is a privilege to be in this position. So you cannot take it for granted, because the ones that do, as you notice, always end up back at the bottom, because they didn't understand that part of it. So you can't be selfish with it. You got to know that you're being you know, put in a position to help others. This ain't just for you. Buying a million private jets. Somebody going to pay for this jet, not me. <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? That money goes to Africa to rebuild that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I understand. You got to look like money to make money. But is your purpose only making money? You know, you have to define to yourself what success is. And me, success is freedom. So um, my last question, Bob Marley had a song called Africa Unite. Right. We was in Davos, Switzerland at the World Economic Forum this year. We went to Africa House and it was a very enlightful conversation. And um, one of the gentlemen that was speaking from Africa, he was saying that one of the problems in Africa is that there's too much division within countries. Right. He was like, there's no way where a person from Europe or America can come to Africa and be able to travel freely within the continent. And a citizen from one country can't even get to another country. Right. It's harder for Africans to get to other African countries. Period. It's by design, though. What's your thoughts and, on that? Man, he's a thousand percent right. That's Africa's biggest challenge is basic migration. Like, prime example, you have Senegal and then you have Gambia. These are two countries that's right next to each other. Literally two and a half hour drive. That's like me going to Macon, Georgia. But to get to Macon, when I get to Macon, there's a border waiting for me where I got to have my passport shown and I have to have a visa to get to Macon. Imagine the 50 states in America, everywhere that you go, if you have to fly right now from Atlanta to New York, you need to get a visa or you need to show your passport and go through immigration. Would you be inclined or even motivated to travel? No, because you can't get there. So now imagine how that affects trade. Imagine how that affects the basic economy in the continent. This is by design. They know as far as, as long as they can keep us locked in our little corners and our little cities and countries and I mean, there's no reason why that continent have that many presidents, and they, none of them thinking the same. They all have a different agenda that they are going for, and they all have their own family that they're trying to protect so they don't get cooled out. So they put family members in position of cabinet to be ministers when they don't, they're not educated to even know what that role means. So countries don't move. You know? And then the fact that a, a, a vendor from one country can't travel to a vendor or meet with another vendor for a basic meeting to do basic deals with another country also affects the economy. So just the borders itself that's put into Africa stops growth because until Africa has released the borders and it can unite to be thriving in business, it's always going to be in the same position and it'll never be able to develop because every country that asks for money for development to the World Bank, they look at the population, they look at the credit in that population, they look at projects that's been successful in that population, but you're not going to find anything because most of them countries are too small to stand alone. So they won't be they won't be qualified for that funding anyway. But if they were more countries combined together with that population that expands and, and is, is more you know, increased and then you look at all the opportunities with the resources and all those countries combined, then they'll be qualified for all that funding and then they'll be able to develop. But they don't want Africa to develop because it's not in their interest for it to develop. Yeah. So well, the people have to rise up and make that difference. So one of the things that they also said, it was like it's easier for us as Americans to go to some of these countries in Africa. Right. I'm wondering what do you think about incentivizing us traveling, right, as, as countries. I know what you're doing, Acon City, but we've seen 
countries offer residency, offer right. citizenship, also offer tax incentives. What are your thoughts about incentivizing travel to Africa? Ghana has done a very good job of that. Yeah, well, Ghana, Ghana's been very um, open. You know, they listen to advisors. Um, they see the importance of tourists coming in. Um, but Ghana can't just be the only one that do it. Ghana also have to go to their neighbors and say, look, we're doing this. Join us. Like, it's to the point where if one thing happens and it works, people want to hold on to it. They don't want to share that success. But we have to open it up to everybody. And if the neighbor don't want to do it, you got to force them to do it, because that makes us bigger. That makes us better. That makes us advanced. And it makes us stronger when we're all together. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, 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 I'm already, already got the license to do the same exact thing in Senegal now. And then we want to take it everywhere else where we want to go. But, it, but we will need the support of all the countries that's consistently doing it and currently doing it right now. But at the end of the day, there will be blashback. There will be the people that control those countries that come and say, it's not possible, you can't do it. And we just got to buck the system because if we don't do it for ourselves, they won't allow us to do it. And we're just going to be stagnating in the same position for the next 100 years. What's your thoughts on AI? AI, I think, is the most exciting new technology in the world, but it's dangerous. I think it's the beginning of the end for us. What, the beginning of the end? I believe As it, a civilization? Man. I promise you. Listen, the world has turned over, destroyed itself, and recreated itself thousands of times. Thousands of times. With different creatures running it. Before us, it was the dinosaurs. I don't know what the hell they did, <laughs> but whatever they did... <laughs> Not it, a big thing. It, there it, you go. It, it blew the world up to <laughs> extinction. Okay. <laughs> we might have underestimated how intelligent they was, right? Whatever. But humans today, we are so smart that we're going to outsmart ourselves. The moment we empower a machine to be bigger, smarter, faster, more intelligent than we are, and, and it's actually teaching itself how to teach itself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, how can you fight that? So our, what end of the spectrum are we on now? The build or the destroy? We're in the introduction stage. We're introducing what we're about to build. Yeah, and that's the crazy thing. So we put, a, we put a post up about like jobs that AI is going to be taking away. One of the biggest jobs that AI is going to be taking away is computer programmers. A lot of people don't understand that because they're right. like, well, a computer, a computer programmer has to program a computer. Thank but you. what happens now is that now a computer programmer programs a computer. The computer now We're is com- programming another computer. Thank you. So now, come on now. The computer programmer is really no. After a while, the computer programmer is not needed because the computer is intelligent enough to become a teacher and no, to listen, program computers. You're not understanding. The computer is already more intelligent than the human. Well, yeah, definitely. From a standpoint of education and information storage, it doesn't forget. <laughs> we forget. We could be the most brilliant genius in the globe. Go to the club. <laughs> Take a couple shots, forget everything for a few hours. They don't do that. God forbid the most intelligent man on the earth gets into a car accident and wakes up with amnesia. They don't do that. They store this information. It stores this information. I'm already talking like the human. That's dangerous already. It stores this information and it can delegate it. It can, you know, it can, it can, like, I mean, it, it sends its own self messages. Like, this thing, it's like, it's, it's beyond the thought of man. Literally. Literally. Yeah. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. And you talk about multitasking, it does a million things at the same exact time. So when you have a, a machine that actually teaches itself and then teaches how to teach itself a billion times over, 
to the point where we're programming this to not be humanized. There's no human emotion attached to that. It's just basic coding, right? They said, oh yeah, we can always decode it, but what happens for the ones you don't decode? Or the ones that's too late to decode? Yeah. What, like, technology grows so fast, like, as humans, are we that arrogant to believe, or are we that arrogant to this point, or so entitled that what we have right now is just not enough? We want more? That's what's gonna kill us is greed. Greed is what's gonna end this world. We want more and more, always want more. This is why I said we need more women leaders. Because women, at the end of the day, their motivation is family. Men, on the other hand, our motivation is power. And you can never get enough of that. So as long as men are leading, we're going to die. All of us dead. <laughs> dead, dead. Dead in the motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, you're in an interesting position, though, right? Because you know this technology's here. You spoke about building. But you're building a civilization. I'm so, building. So how do you, do but, you not incorporate it? Or no, do you... you know, no, it's, no it's, it's not. See... There's a level of incorporation that makes sense for human sustainability. People are building these things not thinking about human sustainability. Like you said, these, these machines are going to take away millions of jobs. What happens to those people that don't have no work? What they going to do? They're going to end up bucking against the system. And what's, the first thing they're going to do is turn the machines against the people that's bucking. Because now they have all the data on these buckers, where they stay, mm -hmm. who they be with, where they hang out with, the kind of weapons they done bought from the gun store. Now they monitored all of them. Now these people are feeling threatened by the machines, and the machines already sees you as a threat because you've already bucked the system. And that's where it starts, where the machines become security. Mm. And sec they, don't, they don't think twice. They just know that this guy has to be eliminated because he affects the the whole bigger picture. Or, or they become a ruling class where they, it's like right. a zombie economy where now you have millions of people that's unemployed. You just keep them occupied, keep them but entertained. The, but that's my point. You can only be occupied but, but for so long before yeah. you have to engage in your responsibility. But there's nothing offering you an opportunity to fulfill your responsibility if the machines are taking all the jobs. This is, uh, this is the problem. Yeah, this, this is Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Yeah. Really? I mean, it's not that extreme yet, but it can easily become that. No, it's, it may sound like you're fantasizing, but then it really happens. Like, right. You can because see I don't think they're thinking that far. Mm. They're just thinking like, oh, this is great. Because what happens is we're being super lazy. That's really what's happening. Like, really. But more than anything, it's greed because we're just not satisfied. Like, we just, we just believe that we can always have more when it's not necessary. To, sometimes happiness is just within comfort. You know, create a comfort zone and be happy. There you have it, my brother. Well, I know, you know, you're a jet set. I know you got to catch this flight. Probably yeah. to the moon. Headed <laughs> <laughs> to Mars. Hey, speaking of that, you going to take one of those, um, them trips up there? Of course. We all have to. Of course. Information is power. I need to see what the fuck is up there. Yeah, yeah I, I want to see it. I need yeah, to yeah, see it. I want to go to Mars, though. Not, not the one that just leaves the atmosphere. No, I want to no, actually I'm, touch I'm the land. I, like, I want to walk around. I want to touch the land. Yeah, I want to talk I want to take my mask off. <laughs> Take your mask off. It's been real. Fuck it. Right. Uh, so what's 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 your what's your twenty year plan, man? You gonna be running for president? You gonna, like? Ooh, that's I that's like... actually a very good question because I, I, there's a petition that's been signed in my country for me to actually run. I just feel like I'm too young. But then again, I'll be comp contradicting myself if I wait till I get old because I don't want to be an old president either. I want to be young enough to know the difference on both sides of the aisle, like be able to speak to the elder, speak to the generation, and be in the middle to where I can be neutral. But I don't know, I just think that responsibility is, might limit me, because I think I could do more for the continent if I'm just 
the man standing next to every president rather than being a country of one president. Yeah, man. You brought up you the word patience earlier. Yeah. And the ones who are patients are uh, usually the most successful. It has been two years in the making, man. It was man. our pleasure to sit here with no, you today, absolutely, my brother. brother. Absolutely. Uh, absolute <laughs> blessing. Look forward to it, man. You're a great patriot for your country and the continent, and uh, we'll talk off camera, but I got some ideas. No, man, listen, let's go. Africa's where it's at, bro. No. Let's do it. Let's Appreciate do it. it, brother. My guy. It's a wrap on the set. See, y'all flying with me or y'all standing in the Let's line? go, oh, let's man. go. I got my visa. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine you need a visa to go to LA, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's crazy. This is a Fast Financial Fact, sponsored by Xfinity. This week's fact, Funding plays a critical role in the growth and development of a business. It provides the necessary capital to invest in various aspects of the business and sees opportunities for expansion. Funding ensures that you have adequate working capital to cover day-to-day -day operations, manage cash flow, and seize immediate business opportunities. Assets Over Liabilities is presented by Xfinity. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.